This show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desk. Check out their latest smart adjustable standing desk at Altizen.com. A-L-T-I-Z-E-N.com. Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of business, technology, and media in Asia. In this episode, I speak to Eva Xiao from Tech in Asia in a two-part series on the most important events happening in China. And in the second part, we discuss the right hailing wars 2.0, where Didi faces new challenges and what it means for the entire transportation space in China. Welcome back with me, Eva Xiao from Tech in Asia. Since you are here on the show, I wanted to talk to you about China's right hailing wars because you wrote a very interesting article in Tech in Asia and I thought it was one of your better pieces. Well, thank you. What happened since June 2016 when Uber ceded Uber China to Didi? We thought that the ride-sharing space is concluded with one dominant player. So why is China's ride-hailing war back in this year? So I thought it was quite fascinating. Actually, there's been developments last year as well in the ride-hailing space, mainly from May 20 and Ping. In China, Didi has enormous amount of market share. I think the latest numbers from consulting firms, 75%. So it's a huge market share in China. I mean, everyone else is pretty negligible. The timing is also, it feels very late, right, for a newcomer to come into ride-hailing war after Didi has kind of defeated two huge uh, domestic competitors, you know, Uber China, but also Kuai Da Chua, which was his main arch rival before Uber China. So I think for Meituan Jinping, there's chatter amongst industry experts about Meituan Jinping upcoming IPO. So this year, Meituan Jinping also wants to go public on the New York Stock Exchange. And so some people believe that, you know, ride hailing, which is a totally new vertical, thus there's a lot of room for growth for Meituan Jinping, will also boost its valuation. So there's some chatter saying that like, okay, they want to go into transportation, maybe that's a way for them to boost how much money they can get when they go public this year. So perhaps it's one one reason. And I do think like, you know, in food delivery and these different lifestyle services, Meituan Denping has expanded a lot, has covered a lot of area. But I think especially with food delivery, which, you know, there's a source from the information saying that half of their revenue, food delivery, there's not that much space for growth, you know, like, Oloma and Meituan Jinping, Oloma belongs to Baidu. You know, they're, they're kind of, it's more stable now, I would say. Of course, there's still competitors, but there's definitely not as much opportunity. Whereas with transportation, it's not just ride hailing, I would say, but longer term, you know, what else comes with ride hailing? Maybe electric vehicles, you could do car sharing, like Zipcar, you know, that kind of model. As cars become smarter, perhaps autonomous vehicles is after that. There's also in-car entertainment. So there's a lot of services that can be bundled with transportation. And so if you think about Meituan Jinping, like what is it going to do after it covers all kinds of lifestyle services? Well, it really needs to find a new vertical. And I think transportation actually does make sense, given that other transportation companies go in the opposite direction, like Grab or Uber with Uber Eats, etc. I've just read the information's recent article about Alibaba and Didi having internal fights over awful because DD have actually started its own bike sharing platform too. So I guess this is actually becoming much more interesting, much more heated. So is China's right hailing wall 2.0, as you coined it, fueled by the rise of bike sharing startups such as awful and mobile? So for me, it's not just the bike sharing, but you can think of DD, mobile, maybe less so, but let's say DD made Chuan Jinping. They're part of this next generation of tech giants in China. So 
BAT, uh, Baidu, Alibaba, Tencent, you could say those are like the, the, the top most tech giants in China right now. And so people often joke that there's a TMD uh, or Toutiao, Meituan, Dianping, and DD. So like a, another tier of people that might, or companies that could be next or grow up to the same scale. Which means like they need to be just, they cannot just stick to one vertical, you know, like Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, they are not just one vertical companies, right? That's not why they're tech giants. And so I think with transportation, that maybe another reason why Meituan Dianping needs to keep growing, right? Perhaps also in China, if you don't grow, someone else will maybe take market share from you. And then with bike sharing service, I think it also reflects kind of the maturity of that market or the consolidation. So, you know, last year, one of the big happenings in bike sharing was GluGoGo, which was one of the top companies. I uh, had a lot of problems with, you know, a lot of financial problems. The CEO of the company not being able to pay all of its staff, you know, users not being able to withdraw their deposits. So a lot of problems with cash there. And then so with Ofo and Mobile kind of being one of the, you know, last players, not last players standing per se, but definitely the, the two market leaders. I think for them, it was also a good time to look at other places for growth. You know, they can't just keep going on with bikes, even with global expansion and expect to keep growing. So then my Mobike, you know, starts piloting with car sharing. So you can see starting from bikes, then they must eye transportation, right? As kind of the next step of their evolution. And with Meituan Dianping, which wants to be, you know, a public company, one of the, you know, a big tech giant, then it cannot just be a lifestyle services platform, right? You have to keep growing. So I think all those incentives to grow have really pushed bikes go into transportation more broadly and also made 20 and ping. But what you said about the competition between, let's say, or the tensions between DD and OFO, I think that's kind of a result of that, right? These bike sharing companies, they want to grow, but if they grow into transportation, then they're obviously chipping away at DD's market share. I can understand why DD wants OFO and mobile too much because now DD had a big watch has of 4 billion US dollars. So they can actually consolidate this combined entity into their portfolio at some point. I mean, that's wishful thinking on their part because they're two leading companies with group of founders and employees who may refuse to have this merger happen as history would have done for DD and Quidi in the early days. But I thought one interesting point that was mentioned here, and, and I actually verified this with venture capitalists and also people who are involved in the bike sharing space. Um, the bike sharing space has totally destroyed DD's value for right hailing over a distance of zero to three kilometers. And it seems that the three to five kilometers is also now being uh, starting to be cannibalized by the ride sharing app. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting to see these small companies at a certain scale and it's acceptable to partner with them, right? Like Didi and Ofo were allies, yeah, obviously, you know, being an investor of Ofo. But then once they grow, then they start to threaten their bigger partners. And I would agree, I think with bike sharing, that makes a lot of sense that, like, for example, in Beijing, maybe I'm a bit extreme in this sense because it's a winter, but I would rather bike some distances, even in the cold, because it's just much faster and easier and cheaper than hailing a cab, especially during rush hour, right? So even with the car pulling all this stuff there is a case to be made for bike sharing over ride hailing especially with short distances especially in certain times i'm sure like during peak rush hour maybe more people are forced to go on bikes and which means less revenue for dd yeah and it's quite interesting and also with mobike at first i was wondering why they would go into car sharing but i think the car sharing move actually makes more sense than ride hailing because it's, it's a much more fragmented market in china so it's 
you know, an area where they could win in, it brings them into the EV market, gets them into using cars. I mean, it's similar, I guess, with the, the IoT part and, you know, the fact that they're doing sharing versus this ride-hailing model. So I think for Mobike in the beginning, when I heard about them doing this in Guizhou, it sounded so random, but it makes sense. And obviously, they've created a separate Mobike transportation company, um, a unit. So I, I don't think it will stop at car sharing, you know. They'll definitely try to grow that. Otherwise, Mobike can never, I mean, Mobike can never be a great company if it's just about bikes, right? It has to grow into transportation. Well, they have also incorporated a separate company in case it doesn't work out. They can always sell it back to DD or Meitang Dieping at some point, right? <laughs> that's, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I think we all know that Meituan Dieping is an analogous app to Yelp for Square Groupon in China. So I think it will warrant one full episode at some point and it will be great we can have that long conversation on them. But can you just introduce the company and explain why are they involved in this right-hailing wars? Sure. So Meituan Dianping originally is two companies, so that's why there's a dash between the two names. Meituan was founded a bit later in 2010 by uh, Wang Xing, who studied electrical engineering at Tsinghua, went abroad briefly to study at University of Delaware before coming back. I mean, he's a serial entrepreneur. He and um, some other people have founded Renren, which is a sort of like, a, I guess people call it a Facebook copycat. And so he started May Twan in 2010. And it was, it was in the beginning, it was like a group, buy, it was like a group buying business. And then Dan Ping is sort of like more of the Yelp part. So they do different reviews of uh, restaurants and different services. And I guess worth mentioning is at the time, before they merged in 2015, May Twan was backed by Alibaba. And uh, Jianping was backed by Tencent. And then um, after they merged, actually, there was Alibaba ended up spinning off its own lifestyle services, so a competitor uh, of their own called Colping, and then kind of left Meituan. And so there was actually some tension between Alibaba and Meituan as well. In our conversation, that makes Alibaba sound really hard to work with, right? But so uh, then at Meituan Jianping, now there are reviews. There's also food delivery, but it also has, you know, I mean, people talk about travel, there's lifestyle services. You have something I want to mention that I experienced recently is, you know, they have these food delivery guys, but you can also get people to get these delivery people to buy things for you. Like say, I don't have time or I don't want to leave my house. I can just ask someone to buy something for me and then bring it to my place. Um, there's a, there's a joke that's been going around about this guy whose car gets stuck on the side of the road and he calls 10 May 20 delivery guys to help them like push the car, you know, so it, like many things in China, maybe it starts as like a group on Yelp copycat, but then it develops and localizes and then has its own features. So, so, so now like uh, May 20, Dan Ping, one of the spokespeople actually described the company as like a Taobao for services. So like a marketplace for all kinds of different services, whether it's like wedding planning or spas or restaurant delivery. That's interesting, but I can also share an anecdote. I actually met Wang Xing in person in 2008 when I was considering moving to Beijing. There was a one hour of conversation with him, but the most important thing I remember talking to him at that point was that he told me that there is no way that any foreign company that comes to China will ever succeed. And it seems that his prediction seems to be true even for Uber China as well. So I thought that that's a very interesting story to share. And what have they been doing to ignite the right-hailing war in this iteration? So for Major Dimping, it'll be interesting to see how they pursue this strategy this year. So last year, they piloted in Nanjing, 
which is a city about like a two-hour train ride from Shanghai. And then they launched officially in Nanjing in October. And then this year, they're pushing for seven cities across China. So like Shenzhen, Beijing, but then also some cities like, I believe, Xiamen, Fuzhou. According to Meituan Dianping, they chose the cities based on... They did some research on where they think rider uh, users might want to use ride-hailing through Meituan. And part of that is, you know, they say that people actually search for ride-hailing services within the app. Um, and also, if you open, if you look for a restaurant, there's a mapping feature, which is actually provided by Tencent in collaboration with Tencent. And so, you know, it makes a lot of sense. You look for a restaurant, you open the map, and then if you want to go there, you can just do ride hailing. So it's kind of the logic uh, behind ride hailing for them, at least in the first phase, right? And so to kickstart in these seven different cities, like kickstart their business in these seven different cities, especially ones where, you know, DD is present, they're going to try subsidies. So... You know, cash burning subsidies were a huge part of the ride hailing competition between Uber China and DD. You know, for a while you could get a ride for free, which is awesome, right? You had these uh, wealthy investors paying for your cab rides, essentially. And so they're going to use those kind of subsidies to attract users to their platform. But they are, according to Meituan Dianping, that's not their long term strategy. So we don't know how long will be able to benefit from like coupons and things like that. But I would say that like another part, not just from the user side, but the driver side, Meituan Dianping is also wants to attract drivers by offering really low commission rates. So by commission rates, I mean that if you drive for DD, a percentage of the profit is actually goes to the platform. And Meituan Dianping knows that, you know, drivers do not like that. And they're, they're saying for the first few months, drivers can have as low as like say 0.5 UN. That would be it, you know, flat low fee for, for some rides, which is pretty attractive for DD riders, I would say. With ride hailing, you have regulation from government. So what are the key regulatory issues that these ride hailing companies now face in China? So for DD and different ride hailing companies, a lot of the big restrictions come on um, car licensing. So restricting drivers who are not locals. So in Shanghai, having people who have you know, Shanghai license plates and kind of trying to enforce that, which was a big blow to DD when, and I think 2016, 2017, as they had a lot of drivers who were outsiders from the cities where they were working from. And then when you go into new cities, you also have to have like a, a ride hailing license. So Meituan Dianping is actually getting, it's a barrier to their expansion right now. Like they were supposed to launch in Beijing last week, I believe, and they weren't able to do it on time because of some issue related to permit or regulatory issues. So they have delayed until now. I don't think that they've launched in Beijing. I mean, obviously, DD at this point, not only has it had to deal with it and has dealt with it, it also has a long relationship with local governments. So they've done like a lot of traffic reports, you know, dashboards they're working with. I know in Shenzhen, for example, Didi has this service called Daijia, which means if you're, say, you go to a bar, you drive to a bar and you're too drunk to drive home, you can call Didi Daijia to like come and drive you home, basically. And I know in Shenzhen, they work with the Shenzhen police to get it kind of identify where Daijia is really popular because, it, I mean, it shows that there's like a lot of drunk people there. So I mean, they've done all these like little services, right, with their big data. I think in DNAD, they worked with local authorities to fiddle with the traffic lights to decrease traffic jams. So like all these things matter, right? And it's really the advantage of time. But I think also the relationship with these different governments will also come into play, especially because Meituan Dianping is like a newcomer 
they need to be able to catch up on the rules and then also establish these relationships. So where do you see this new right-hailing war go in the next one year? And will we just end up with one dominant player in the end? <laughs> it's really tough to say because, you know, Mobike, for example, even on the bike sharing side, I think Ofo's in a really tough and awkward spot right now because of DD's new bike sharing platform, which I think you mentioned earlier, you know, they have this bike sharing platform of their own and Ofo and Blue GoGo are in it, but in DD's app, like you can't tell which bike is Ofo's and which one's Blue GoGo. So they've essentially surrendered their branding in this. I mean, they're just DD bikes, you know? So I think Ofo kind of in an awkward spot. And then for Mobike, there's, they're, they're targeting car sharing first. I think Meituan Dianping is the one that's pushing hard for ride hailing. I don't think this year it will be resolved, you know? And I expect, because DD has so much market share, I expect Meituan Dianping will have to form some alliances with other companies to take it on. And also recently there's some news that they, they've been involved in the funding round um, in Gojek. I don't know if you saw that news. Yep, I saw the news, actually, in Southeast Asia. So Meituan Dianping is not going into ride sharing even in Southeast Asia too. So Grab is going to have a hard time as well. Yeah, so I think the ride hailing, this new push for ride hailing, it's not just restricted to China. You know, Meituan Dianping is also keen on other markets too. I mean, there's also the risk that it will be stretching to, it's overstretching itself. So there's, there's all these variables. And yeah, with Mobike, I think they're still piloting and with car sharing, that's a whole new business of its own. So I don't think it'll immediately jump to ride uh, to ride hailing from that. And for Meituan Dimping again, like their Beijing launch delays still still not outright. So with regulations in China, it's also quite unpredictable, like whether they'll be able to get what they need or if they'll be able to launch on time, things like that. And DD is not playing around either. I think they're taking it very seriously. Mm. So in no end in sight, we're going to have a, a lot more watch over this whole new right-hailing wars again, all over again. And I just don't see Chengwei and Wansing like, you know, throwing up white flags and merging. You know, it just doesn't seem, because it's such a, I think it would have to be exhausted by the time that happened, if that makes sense. I don't think it would happen right away. I don't think they would come to an agreement. Consider that the bros dinner picture that you see recently, I think Wang Xing sat next to Pony Ma, right? I think Chen Wei, was Chen Wei in the photo too? I think so, right? Yeah, yeah. But then that whole thing, like the the controversy between Alibaba and DD as well over OFO, you know, I think so far because for a while, like BAT was such so strong and DD and or the TMD companies were just coming up. I also assume that as investors, like BAT would be quite strong, would have a lot of influence on their portfolio companies. But I think as the second generation is growing up and they also want their own empires, I think that relationship is being strained as well. So it's interesting to see that. And what will Mobike be? Like maybe Mobike and some other companies in that same valuation, they'll be the, the third generation. Mm. Shai Oster from The Information was telling me that Meituan Dianping's app actually constitute 95% of their traffic. Actually, they rely very little on WeChat. So at some point, even Meituan Dianping might decide that, you know, Tencent may not be a reliable ally anymore. So like you said, they all need to grow at some point, right? Yeah, I guess in, in business, you know, anything, anything can change and 
I mean, for me, I guess as a bystander, it's it's exciting to see that it's not just okay. BAT is the largest, and they're you know they control everything, and everything will have to either fall in line from Tencent, Alibaba, perhaps I I do, but to see like a new group of also highly ambitious companies that want to also challenge maybe the old generation. I always remember the first line in Romance of Three Kingdoms, 三国演义, where the first line says, 天下大事,合久必分,分久必合, meaning that, you know, all, all things aside, you know, those who aggregate together will break apart and all those who break apart may aggregate together at some point. So, you know, there's no really alliances that are forever, so they will eventually have to find means and ways to better each other out. So, Eva, thanks for coming on the show and it's been a very good conversation. So, in closing, I want to ask you for the first time, so can you recommend a book, podcast, movie or anything that has impact your personal or work life? I am trying to read more, but by read, I've really just turned to Audible. I don't know if you use Audible. Are you an audiobook person? Uh, sometimes, for some books, yes. Okay, sometimes. So, I am not going to recommend... I'm in the middle of Black Swan, but I think so many people have read Black Swan. I'm really quite late to it, so I won't recommend that book. Um, but I am listening to it on Audible right now. But uh, at the end of last year, I finished also quite a long audiobook called Chasing the Screen uh, by Johan Hari. So uh, it's actually about the war on drugs. And I found it really interesting because it just shows kind of the root of like where this I where it came from and how it's spread to different countries outside the U.S. And one of the things that stuck out to me about the book is they talk about this study where they had a bunch of rats, where they gave some rats cocaine, right? Like one of those studies to show the impact and addiction and showing that rats that are social, they called it rat park. Like they had one set up where rats are like playing together and, you know, they're socializing and being healthy, that those rats actually didn't really get addicted, were not tempted to have cocaine and kind of associating loneliness with uh, addiction. I don't know. For me, the book was really enlightening just to show how everything that people think about drugs has been kind of traces back like where that logic comes from, how it is against science, all these studies have done through it. Um, and now though, because it's proliferated to all these different countries, it seems that the war of drugs, despite all this evidence of it not being effective, it's going to keep going in other countries, right in the Philippines, another, yeah. So for me, it was just to look at problems and even though they've been solved and there's solutions out there, it's still going to proliferate because of, I guess, culture and society. The reason why is I even started reading it, uh, it was a friend recommended to me, but also um, one of the big issues in the U.S. right now is the opioid crisis, right? I don't know if anyone has heard about that or people getting addicted to different opioids. So just, uh, I, I try to take a break from strictly tech or strictly business books when I had a chance just to learn about other issues that are happening around the world and kind of the root causes of them too. I have a book recommendation. It's on, it's called Depth, The First 5,000 Years by David Graeber. And I think this is a very interesting uh, book because it tries to redefine the way you think about money, not in economics, but in an anthropology view. And you think about actually the whole point of all financial institutions, whether it's governments, whether it's banking institutions, is all being controlled by that. And it really gives me a real new perspective of thinking about money and capital in a different light. So my last question to you then, how do my audience find you? On Twitter, you can find me at Eva WXIAO. Um, and that's actually also my WeChat ID. So you can find me on WeChat as well. Um, on LinkedIn, you can just search Eva Xiao. You can find me at Bernard Leung or at 
William CW on my WeChat account. Of course, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Acast, and Google Play in the US market. Uh, tweet to me or give us feedback. And of course, you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes and of course, a star on Overcast. Eva, once again, thank you for coming on the show and I look forward to speak to you again. Great. Thanks.